Hey, Patrick Moran, just want to let you know real quick here before I get into this podcast that I had Joe Yerdon on from The Athletic. And for the first maybe eight to 10 minutes of our interview, Joe was on Skype and we had a pretty bad connection, lots of background noise. Took us a handful of minutes to recognize that. But once we did, we switched it to a cell phone call. And from that point on, the sound quality was much better. I just wanted to forewarn you guys so that when you hear the first few minutes of audio, you didn't get too turned off by it. After a couple of minutes, the audio gets much better. And it's a great interview. Joe has all kinds of Buffalo Sabres insights. We talk about the trade deadline, the team, the organization, some other stuff before that. Really good interview. Again, just want to let you know, don't be too turned off by the first few minutes of the audio. It gets much better. And on that note, enjoy the podcast. Coming up on today's future award-winning Analytics podcast, I'll be joined by Joe Yurden, Buffalo Sabres beat writer for The Athletic, recurring guest of this podcast, and a dude I consider a buddy. Today, we're breaking down the Sabres and the NHL trade deadline that just went down on Monday. Sabres made two trades. Joe will drop some insight on both of them. We'll talk about some of the moves that were not made. Try to figure out if the Sabres have any sort of even semi-realistic chance to get into a real playoff race. Talk about Jason Botterill's present and potential future. And on some Buffalo City living, some wing talk. Plenty more with my man Joe. I had that for you in just a few minutes. Before that, I want to let you know that today's show is being supported by Audimute. For nearly two decades, Audimute has set the standard for providing cutting-edge acoustic treatments for recording and sound environments. From your home studio to commercial settings, such as the office, restaurants, gyms, and auditoriums, Audimute is the best sound treatment company out there. That's because they refuse to compromise on the quality of their products and service ever. Easy, green, affordable. My home studio has Audimute acoustic panels, and the difference has literally been remarkable night and day. Look, don't just throw up foam on your walls, decide it looks pretty, and call it a day. It might look the part, but it's not going to improve your sound. Visit Audimute.com for info and deals, including a free room analysis form and the ability to speak with an acoustic specialist. Do your sound, do the people who hear it a very big service. Go visit Audimute.com. And on that note, let's do it. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, everyone, how you doing? Episode 198, Moran Analytics Podcast. Thank you, as always, for continuing to download the show. Appreciate you. Not going to waste any time here at the top. Got a good one for you. I'm joined by recurring guest, my man, Joe Yurden from The Athletic. Joe, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Busy day for you, I know. Yeah, nice to have a busy day on deadline day. It's usually it's usually pretty quiet. It wasn't a volume of trades, but some, some noticeable stuff for once, you know? Yeah, for sure. And uh, like I said, we're taping this very late into Monday. This will be out overnight. Uh, so you're at the arena all day, like you know, writing post deadline stuff, doing some radio. I know you did a spot for a station in Edmonton, working on a story tonight. Now this podcast, I feel like I've spread you out a little bit thin, man. So I really do. I appreciate your time. I know that this is one of the busier days of the year for you. No, you know what? It's, it's all part of the fun. As far as I'm concerned, man, it's, it, 
if if I if I wasn't enjoying doing all this, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it's stressful sometimes. But if I wasn't enjoying this, yeah, just time for me to find another job. No, I love this. I, this is this is the most fun day of the year. Yeah, we'll talk uh, hockey in just a couple of minutes, though. Before that, though, I haven't talked to you in a while. It's been what last August was the last time we actually hooked up. I was in Buffalo, and you and I had wings together, and we mm-hmm. taped an episode. Quite different then. Now I got you on Skype. Land and nice, not quite the same as being able to have an opportunity to sit down with you and have wings in person. But how's life been, man? How you been doing? How's how's that West Side city life treating you during a a Buffalo winter that really seems to be mild compared to more recent years from what I've seen? Knock on wood, I, you know, I don't want to jinx anything. Well, I mean, the lake isn't frozen, so I mean, winter winter could winter could happen with the with a stiff breeze. You know how it goes, but uh, you know, I, you know what uh a, a winter without snow i mean yeah it doesn't feel like winter but the last few have been pretty rough so i'll take a break this this time around it's it's okay i can can live with it I can get out and walk a little bit and then you know do stuff that i don't usually get to do in winter this time of year without worrying about like breaking my ankle on sidewalks and never get shoveled or you know stay anything that doesn't get salted that be into oblivion because it's just nobody wants to do it because it's winter and it sucks and nobody wants to do it but it's uh no it's been good it's season's been fun i mean i i got to go down to your way i got to go down your way in november with uh covering sabers so it was that was a nice treat to get in uh november to go to florida for for a few days so that was i'll take that well i'll tell you what i'm sure you would for a couple of days but i equally feel the same way about the west side man i'm legitimately Miss that area so much. All right. So before we dive into Sabres, I do wanted to ask you one, you know, I've had you on a couple times now, but one thing I've never asked you, and this is kind of like making a little bit of small talk here, but we're talking hockey, NHL trade deadline day, stuff like that. What other sports do you enjoy most besides hockey? Like, let's just say you were not covering the Sabres for the athletic and you were allowed to cover another sport for the athletic. Like, what would you want to do if you had your choice, but it couldn't be hockey? I've always wondered that about you. You know, I that's a, I like that question because for me that means which which sport do I like but w- wouldn't mind sacrificing being a fan of of the team that that, that I'm a fan of because because you get doing it you gotta you gotta kind of put that away you know yeah. uh, you know to have your objectivity and to be able to write about it and and not put your fan hat on when when the team that you're covering is is playing the team you like so uh if i if i if there's one where i i had to get if it means giving up the team that i like i would do the nfl in a heartbeat because if i got to stop be if i got to stop paying attention to the lions and like rooting for the Lions, I think I could be okay with that but that that seems like too easy of a choice um you're a lions I, I, fan yeah, it's terrible. It is absolutely horrible. Uh, don't I suggest that if people want to get into football, don't become a Lions fan. It's it's a very How did that happen? I'm interested. How did you become a Detroit Lions fan? Uh, it was Barry Sanders' fault. Okay. Honestly, um, I got I watched him as a kid play in I think it was the Holiday Bowl where he ran for he ran for like 300 it was like 250 300 yards and like six touchdowns. Some kind of nonsense video game type of performance and I was like wow this guy's amazing and he wound up in Detroit and at that time Detroit was a run and shoot team and so you know they're throwing the ball over the place and then Sanders would crack off 20 30 yard runs mixed in with you know your minus four carries every once in a while to make people think that he wasn't a good running back for whatever reason but um but he was he was the most exciting football player I've ever watched in my life and 
that's still the case, even though there's a lot of really exciting ones now. But I mean, Barry, Barry got me in a way as a kid where I was just like, wow, this is so fun. This is, football is the most fun sport to watch ever. If you got a guy like that out there, right? Weirdly enough, kind of thought the same way about the Houston Oilers when they were throwing the ball over the field and it was, you know, they, you know, their version of the run and shoot, which was just basically we're just going to throw the ball uh, every 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 down. And that was it's so weird that that team existed back then playing that style because if they existed now playing that style, they'd probably be an un, an unstoppable team. Yeah. <laughs> but back then, but back then, you had to still run the ball. You still had to have the good defense, and you know that you know they they didn't have the good defense. They had they could just throw the ball everywhere, but it didn't work. But uh, but Barry, man, he he was just so fun, and that hooked me into being a Lions fan. And I, I as much as I love Barry, I curse him out to this day for for, for sticking me with a with a dog crap team like that to. to <laughs> To, to be a fan of because god they're so frustrating i'm gonna i completely agree with you for the record by the way barry sanders is also my favorite football player of all time as well and then that run and shoot defense that mouse davis offense was fun but i don't think i ever went as far to be well maybe because i was so embedded into the buffalo bills that it didn't mm-hmm. allow me to be, become a detroit fan thank god because uh they're insufferable <laughs> so i props to you it's it's so nuts. Like when it, you know when I when I came to Buffalo and you know that's the midst you know it's the midst of the drought and everything. And I tell people I'm a Lions fan. And I remember Lions made the playoffs in 2014 and they made it you know some other year. And, and people here were just like, well, I'd take the Lions. At least they make the playoffs. And I'm like, did you watch them in the playoffs? Like I watched them. It's crazy to think that I I mean I just turned 41 and I've watched the only Lions playoff win since 1957 and it happened in what 1991 1990 yeah when they beat the cowboys 38 to 3 and it's just like how 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 have i watched this team and i and i hate them i like i love them but i hate them i hate them to death and i've seen their only playoff win in over 50 years like that's great in over 60 years now right yeah yeah for 60 years. They've won one playoff game in 60 years. Like, I don't care if they make the playoffs. Like, I watched, you know, I watched the Bounty Bowl Saints almost murder Stafford the one year. And then I watched the uh, the referees hand the Cowboys a playoff game in 2014. And, like, it's just, it's just madness. It's madness to watch them do anything. And they're so stupid. You know, they hire all these Patriots cast off people to do stuff and they're still bad they don't know how to do anything and Stafford's an unbelievably good quarterback and now I don't have anything for him and he's old and he's broken and god it's it's just it's amazing it's amazing that people in Buffalo would be like I'd rather be a Lions fan it's like no you don't know what you're talking about you're crazy <laughs> are you a baseball guy at all or no I am I I I, I enjoy baseball because it's it's relaxing. It, it 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 sounds crazy to say, but when you're a Yankees fan, it's it can be a little bit more relaxing. But um, but I just enjoy the yeah you know, how nice it is to just go to a game. Like I'll go to I'll go to like 15 Bison's games a year during the summer because it's just nice to sit at a game, sit outside, have a beer and a dog, just call a day and just you know hang out with friends, watch a game. Talk it up all day. That's awesome. I I, I love baseball. Baseball's baseball's a dumb run sport. But it's a it's a great game. It's a great game, but a dumb organization. You could say the same thing about the NHL. You could say the same thing about every organized sport where it's a great sport. But man, people in charge love to ruin it. 
Well, I'll tell you what, man. It's probably of all the things that I've done wrong since moving down to Florida, my lack of going to, and enjoying and taking advantage of spring training down here is pretty stupid because I got the Yankees yeah. right here in Tampa. I have the Phillies are in Clearwater. I got the Pittsburgh Pirates have spring training literally 15 minutes from my house right now. Baltimore Orioles has spring training like 25 minutes from my house in Sarasota. And I barely ever go to games. It's kind of stupid. Yeah. If I were in your if I were in your shoes, I would be the biggest baseball nerd on earth. I would just go hang out at like a different team's you know training camp every day. Just go. I know the the, the tickets have gone up quite a bit down there for spring training stuff, but I mean, it'd be so it would be so fun to just go down and just kind of just soak it all in and enjoy it. I would I would be the biggest baseball nerd on earth. Deal every February and March, man. I would just go nuts with that. Well, it really is expensive. I mean, I just looked up. In fact. Not long before me and you started chatting here, the Yankees are coming to Bradenton here to play the Pirates next weekend. It's like $56 for a bleacher ticket for spring training. I'm like, holy shit, man. It's crazy, dude. <laughs> crazy, dude. Anyway, all right. So I want you to take us a little bit through NHL trade deadline day. So you're sitting at the arena with at least a handful of other reporters, your colleague, John Vogel, I'm sure others from other media outlets. Like, what's that process like? being around on NHL trade deadline day, a lot of sitting around, I would assume, you know, looking at your phones and laptops, waiting for some news to break. Like what's that vibe like on trade deadline day? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause they're, they're they, you know, the, the Sabres set us up with a room to, to hang out at, to, to work from. Cause they, you know, they know we're all kind of doing the same thing and, you know, we're paying attention to our Twitter timelines. You know, we've got TVs on in the room where, you know, you get TSN on one one TV, you get Sportsnet on, an, on another one, and you're, you know, you're keeping track of everything. And, you know, if you do have people who you're in contact with, whether it's, you know, you know, sources or agents or, you know, what have you, um, usually it, it, it's crazy because a lot of like the people that you would bank on as a reporter are, are in like radio silence mode until until the day's over. Um, which makes, you know, what the, you know, what the, uh, the insider types, the, the, you know, the kind of stuff that they get fascinating that, that they're able to, to pull these things off and, and be able to get some kind of insight. But, um, but it's, uh, but a lot of it is just kind of hurry up and wait, you know, you, you, you get in at, you know, the, the you know, the, the facility opens up at like nine o'clock for us to, to go in and hang out. And, you know, Sabres are nice enough to throw us, throw us coffee and donuts in the morning and, you know, bring in some sandwiches in the afternoon. But it's uh, but it's it's just mostly just kind of sit around and shoot, shoot the breeze and and just kind of, you know, talk with everybody because you got your TV people, you got your newspaper, you got your websites, you got you got everybody kind of hanging out. And and when stuff happens, it's just, you know, it's. It's kind of a it's kind of a cool thing. It's a round table without a round table to sit at, and um, I don't know. It's it, it's a it's a fun day. It's a more fun day when stuff's happening, and you know today was great because it was stuff happening from about you know nine thirty nine thirty on. There was all kinds of stuff going on, and you know the Sabers make a couple of moves, and that makes it interesting. And um, you know I you know I was going over the the. The Sabres trade deadline history the last few years, man, it's it's dire. There's not, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on. I mean, right. you know, we, you know, we get, get the Montour trade last year, and you know, the year before that, there was like a minor league deal that count. It was like two years ago, it was a minor league deal. I was like, geez, guys, come on, like, make it, make the day fun. Like, give us something here, man. But, um, but it's it's a good time. I mean, it's it, it's a good day, and I mean, honestly, 
you know, for the executives, it's kind of like the last day before, you know, you start worried about uh, draft stuff. So, um, you know, from, from that respect, I mean, Botfield's job's kind of done now until the season's over. But, uh, but you know, for us, it's just it, – it, it, it can be stressful if you let it get out of, you know, if you let it get to you, but, um, but, you know, it's kind of up the team, up to the team to do stuff for us to write about too. All right. So for everyone out there listening, you might hear a little bit of sound difference. I had Joe on and he was talking via Skype and we were having some Skype issues. So now I just called Joe back and I got him on his phone and we'll continue. So before we talk about a couple of specific moves, Joe, I actually wanted to start with a tweet. I wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh, Joe DiBiase from WGR 550 put up a tweet on Monday night that I thought was pretty interesting. And he asked, it was a poll, and he asked um, Sabres fans with the information that as of right now, the Sabres are at 4.4% to make the playoffs and play Tampa Bay in the first round as of right now. And they're at 4.7% to win the draft lottery. So virtually dead even. They have pretty much the same exact chances they do mathematically, according to Vegas odds anyway, of making the playoffs and playing Tampa as they do winning the draft lottery. Obviously, the odds are going to be that neither of those happen. But the poll asked, which would you rather have to Sabres fans? And I kind of found this fascinating. In fact, we're talking, I mean, very late in the Monday night now. So he's got over 5,700 votes on this poll. And it is literally a dead heat. 50.6% of fans say they'd rather have the first overall pick. 49.4% of the fans say they'd rather have a first round series versus Tampa Bay. I want to get your take on that. And I want to ask your preference, knowing this franchise, because you cover this team and knowing, let's say going back to the tank a handful of years ago, how divisive that was and how critics will talk about that losing culture. Would you rather have a team that made it to the playoffs, even if they were going to get bombed in the first round by Tampa, just so you could take that next step in the progression? Or would you say, you know what, let's just uh, stay where we are right now. I don't know where they finish sixth from the bottom, eighth, doesn't matter, but they end up with that first overall pick. If you were, if it was up to you, what would you rather see and why? Well, you know, I, I love that this question had come up because it, 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 it made me think about something that I was thinking about in the afternoon. Um, basically after the Simmons trade had come down where, you know, you know, adding a guy like that's not really a move you make, you know, unless you're thinking, all right, if we can catch fire here, we can, you know, this guy will help us out. And it, it made me think a lot back to the bill season with, with Tarod. And I'm going to say his name, I'm going to say his name the way he wanted to it afterwards. But, uh, but I, with, with Taylor and the, the infamous game against the chargers where they started Peter. And it made me think of how, you know, my, my running theory on that whole thing was that the Bills' whole plan that season was we're going to be bad because, I mean, they were projected to be pretty bad that year. Right. And their whole idea was that, you know, by this time of the season, we can start Peterman, see if we got something there. You know, we're going to be bad, so it's fine. So, like, they had this idea on paper, and they said, you know what, we're going to stick to it. We're going to keep doing it. But by at that point in the season, they were in a wild card spot. You know, they were – they're in a, in a, in a spot where they, it was just kind of like, all right, well, we can end the drought now. You know, this whole, you know, that whole thing can get, can stop hanging over our heads. We can, we can get over this. And they decided instead, no, forget that. We're going to keep, we're going to, we're going to stick, we're going to stick with what we're doing here. Um, 
you know, if, you know, and we think, you know, if Nathan can do this, uh, we'll be fine. We can still keep going for the playoffs and we get to, you know, basically they get to have their cake and eat it too. And, you know, Peterman has the, has the worst game of, of all time. And everybody here just lost their minds. Right. And they were just like, all right, forget it. We can't do that. We gotta, we gotta stick with, we got, we gotta stick with what, with the guy that got us here and, and ride it out and see how this goes. Um, so, the, so I look at it this way and, and, and I don't know, I don't think the expectation was that this Sabres team was going to be necessarily a playoff team. I think they expected them to be in, in contention for it and at least push into March thinking, all right, maybe we can do something with this. You know, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we can be in the race and, th- and this will be fine. Well, it's kind of the spot they're in right now. I mean, you know, Toronto isn't grabbing it. You know, they just got beat by a Zamboni driver. Um, the world's coming to an end as far as, as, far as the fans in Toronto <laughs> right, are concerned. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's bad. Um, Florida's ahead of them, and Bob Robsky hasn't had a good season. Uh, they're playing two defensemen as forwards. You know, playing two defensemen as forwards. Um, and they just traded their number two center uh, to Carolina. So, I mean, I mean, that's not the Panthers punting on the season, but it's kind of weird they would do that right so, i look at it this the sabers are in a situation now you know they've got a game in hand on toronto and so does florida but i mean if they get that they win that game in hand on toronto they're four back at third place and that's the only shot they've got at the playoffs is is, is finishing third the wild card teams it's you know it's that metropolitan division you know monkey knife fight with you know six teams trying you know trying to get in sure, trying yeah. to get in the playoffs and you know, so I mean, they're not catching any team for the wild card. That's just not going to happen. They're you know they're eight back of that. Forget it. That that dream's over. But third, suddenly third seems like a thing you can do. Now, I mean, you they couldn't just full on go hog wild and just buy and say screw it, we're going for it. Because I mean, you're talking about you know bottoming out your your minor leagues. You're talking about you know doing a lot of things that that kind of go against everything that they've been doing, and. Instead, now they're in a spot where they could shuffle out a couple of guys and replace them with other guys that, you know, either help for the future in Dominic Cahoon or can help you right now. And eh, maybe they stick around and that's Wayne Simmons. And so, you know, it it doesn't really alter the lineup. And I, you know, I kind of went into this for the post I I literally just put up. So uh, enjoy reading it in the morning or whenever you listen to this folks, or, you know, know, Patrick, when we're, when we're off, you can, you can check it out. But but essentially they, they replaced Connor Sherry with Dominic Cahoon and that that's almost the same kind of player, uh, except Cahoon's had better fortune scoring. He's had more points, the whole thing. So that's nice. Wayne Simmons, fits into the the lineup in a it's a bit of a different thing because he he's he's had good luck on the power play um he's okay defensively and he's a hard ass and he hits people and he does a lot of things that nobody in the lineup does so he's a different sort of player so you could swap Frolik out for him maybe or you know figure out something else to do with the lineup and you're adding a different element to your group and that to me says they're, they're, they're fine. The, the, Jason Bottrell may have found a way to have his cake and eat it too. Like he gets to keep the same lineup. You know, they've got two lines that are dead set on keeping together Jack's line and Larson's line that, you know, don't change them up. But now you've found ways to kind of, you know, rejigger your, your lineup with guys that are similar enough 
and you can keep things going and suddenly you're like, okay, well, you know, this group's kind of figured their stuff out here and, you know, after 60 games and Hey, if things break right and Mia Salmark comes back and plays well again, and you know, maybe Carter Hutton keeps the bad games to a minimum, maybe you can steal your way in. Yeah. The percentages are horrible. Like they've got very, very low percent chance of, of doing it because, you know, Toronto's supposed to be way better than they are. And they're not for some reason. And Florida is supposed to be way better than they are. And they're not for some reason. And the Sabres are supposed to be worse than they are, but they're not for some reason. So it's just kind of like, everything's just kind of flying in the face of, of statistics. And, you know, it's, it's not a full, you know, saying, screw it, we're going for it. And it's not a full punting on the way things are. So this is a really long winded explanation, but I, I, I understand why they did it this way. And it's basically just saying like, you know, listen, if we don't make the playoffs, we're, we're, we're basically going to be, you know, even for like the eighth, ninth pick, maybe the 10th, somewhere around there. But if we make the playoffs, it's all gravy because nobody's going to care because the whole city will be going bananas, ape shit about making the playoffs. It doesn't matter if they get swept out by Tampa Bay in the first round, who gives a crap? You're back in the playoffs for the first time since 2011. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Get to the playoffs. Right. And you don't, you know, you're, you're saying that if they don't make the playoffs, that's fine. Bottrell didn't punt the season. He kind of held, he just switched up the personnel a little bit as opposed to saying it would be wrong. You'd have, would you would have a big problem if this team was a complete seller? Let's just say they got rid Mm -hmm. of these guys and other guys and only got draft picks or prospects, fringe prospects in return you would have a problem with that because they're going to sink in the standings. Any chance they would have had to finish in third place, obviously would have been gone. And maybe at best they would have improved their draft odds slightly, but you wouldn't have been down with the Sabres taking that approach, even if it would have slightly improved their chances of getting uh, the first overall draft pick. You'd rather see them in the playoffs if you had your choice, correct? If I have, if I have the choice, I, I, I think you're at a spot now where it's, I mean, the, the, the drought years are not comparable. I mean, going 17 years without a playoff spot right. in the NFL is crazy. Pretty bad to go eight, nine years without a playoff appearance in the NHL, considering how many teams get in. But uh, but I, I look at this as, you know, and a lot of this season has been repairing psychological damage done and, you know, it, 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 and how it's affected a lot of the players that, that have been here for so long. This is the first time, I think, for any of these guys that, at the deadline, this whole thing hasn't just been like either just ignored or scrapped down for parts uh, for a while. You know, I, I, you know, I asked Jake McCabe about this after the, after the Winnipeg game and, you know, McCabe said, you know, every year it's, you know, you're, you're losing buddies and they're going away and they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're moving assets to get picks or, or prospects or, or this, that, and the other thing. This, I, I thought about that and it's the first time in a long time that this just hasn't been, you know, when you get to the deadline, it's kind of like, all right, well, we're riding out the storm. This, I mean, this is a way of kind of showing the players that, you know, we're not just kicking this down the road and saying, all right, go get them next year. It's, it's able to show that you give a crap about this group without really altering your, your prospect pool or without, you know, without making a big commitment to salary for the years down the road. I mean, you know, Simmons is a UFA after, after this year again. So that's no big deal. Cahoon's a restricted free agent. He's probably not going to get a huge raise. So, uh, so, I mean, you know, and the guys that are still left behind that are UFAs, whether it's, you know, it's Gergensen or Larson. I mean, 
you probably don't have to pay a lot to keep those guys if you want to keep them. And if you lose them, well, I mean, I'm sure you can find other guys that are that are similar to that and not really have to worry about dropping a ton of money on them either. So, I mean, it, it, it's fans hate it because they always want the big splash moves and they've been asking it for, for ever, forever in a day. But I mean, this is, I mean, for, for these guys, it's, it's kind of a vote of confidence to say, listen, you know, you guys have done well in adapting and you've done well to, to, to kind of hang in there. I believe in you guys. Let's, let's see what we can do with it. It's not necessarily saying, you know, pulling a major league and, you know, saying, you know, let's win the whole fucking thing. Not <laughs> Good that, reference. But, Solid reference. But I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of just saying, I'm rewarding you guys by saying I'm keeping you together. I'm not blowing. We're not blowing this whole thing up. Let's see what you can do. It's kind of there for, for the grabbing. If you just win your games, at least you can, you know, if you get on a hot run here, win your games, that's all you can say is you won your games and you did your job. If Toronto gets hot or Florida gets hot and keeps you out of it. I mean, that's the breaks. I mean, that's just how it goes. But I mean, if you win, if you win your games and make the case and you get in there, boy, oh boy, I mean, NHL playoffs, Tampa cruised all last year and then had to deal with a team that had to fight tooth and nail to get the playoffs and they got their asses kicked by that team. Yeah. Who's to say it can't happen again? I mean, there's still huge other issues with the Sabres team. And you look at them and you say, there's no way this is a playoff team, but nobody else is going for it. You know, nobody else is really grabbing it. I mean, Toronto's scary because they have the offense, but they don't have the defense. The goaltending's been bad. And Florida, who knows the hell? Who the hell knows what Florida does? So, I mean, it's just a, it's a muddled pool of mess. And sometimes, sometimes you got to just kind of wade through it and see what you can do with it. I think, I think the Sabres are kind of in that spot where it's just, it's just there, you know, you can, you can grab it if you want it. You just have to, you just have to make the effort. You're covering the team. This team is such a, a conundrum this year. The organization, the fans, I mean, they start out on fire and I'm an NBA guy, Joe, so I remember this very well. Early in the season when the Sabres started really well, I made, which in hindsight was a really stupid tweet. I was, I don't, I believed in it, so I don't know if it was stupid or not, but I said something about the Sabres can go 80 and two this year, and I would still take an NBA team over the Sabres any day. I would trade it in a second, which was, again, I do believe that it wasn't me just intentionally trolling fans. That's my take, and I believe it, but I also am smart enough to know what was going to happen. When I tweet something like that to Buffalo sports fans, you know how that played out. Not well for me. Anyway, my point is they were so good early in the season. They've been playing very well of late again. But for the most part, in between, they've been an absolute disaster. I mean, it wasn't long ago. What, a couple weeks ago? I mean, granted, it was only a handful of, you know, fans with eh, whatever. (laughs) But they're outside protesting because the Bagulas won't talk and you have Dwayne and this whole, we are all Dwayne hashtag thing going mm-hmm. on. Fans are losing their mind. Melody Martin, that girl who's on this podcast, by the way, not too long ago, wrote that song about Jason Bottrell doing something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like fans were pissed off. The team's playing like shit. It's like, it's like start and stop with this organization. And I, I feel like, I don't know. You look back, like say they definitely left three points on the table recently losing to Ottawa, blowing that game, and, you know, an Mm -hmm. overtime loss to Detroit, that's three points right there, two shitty teams that they should have beaten. Or you can look at after the long bye, the All-Star break. They only got three points out of a possible 10 on that five-game homestand. You look back now, and they're what? I don't know. As of right now, I think they're six points out of third. Uh, I don't know. It's late in the Monday. I don't know if that's changed or not while we're talking, but it's Mm -hmm. somewhere around that. Do you think the tone... 
like let's say maybe they got six out of ten instead of three out of ten during that homestand, or if they didn't blow that Ottawa game and they did beat Detroit twice instead of just once, do you think maybe the tone would have been a little different with NHL trade deadline day or, or leading up to it, or you know because they would instead of being six back, maybe they're only two or three points back. Do you think that might have dictated different moves, or do you still say this is what they did and? Again, they weren't buyers and they weren't sellers. It was more kind of let's reshuffle the deck and see how things play out. I think this is a case where, you know, I, I think the moves would have been the same, honestly, because at that point, you're, you know, if you're that much closer, you're saying like, well, this lineup got us there. Let's let, let's definitely reward these guys. That's true. Um, you know, I, I think that's I think that's what happens there. I think if this team is is dead, buried, and gone. Um, I think that's when I think that's when you see a, a shakeup trade happen. I think that's when you see a you know a risk aligning trade happen, or you know maybe they decide you know if they change their mind on Montour, or if you know if Reinhardt Reinhardt's team comes out and says uh, we want nine million a year, the Sabers say all right, well we'll find you a new team to play for. You know if it's something if it's something crazy along those along those lines, and you know if they're twelve points out of a playoff spot, then I, I think the changes are a lot more drastic, but. Um, but I, I think if it's a lot, if it was a lot closer, I mean, you're, you're talking about the team buying in and thing, you know, the things are a lot, it's a, it's a bit of a different mindset because it's a little less, uh, it's a little less frantic from the fans. Um, but I think with, yeah, I, I think it, I think the deadline would have played out kind of similar. Uh, I, you know, Rodriguez would still, would still get traded just, you know, just because that's what he's, that's what he wanted you know, they still find a way to get, to get Bogosian off the team because that's what he wanted. You know, you, you, you take, you get the guys out that you, that didn't want to be there and you say, all right, well, you know, thanks for your service, but you know, get the hell out. Um, uh, but I, th- I still think you still shuffle a, a couple of cards there. Maybe they're different cards, but I think it, I think it plays out the same way. With Wayne Simmons, Sabres only gave up a fifth round pick, basically nothing. It's kind of like a 20 game trial of sorts. And it's also worth noting that he did waive his no trade clause to come to Buffalo, which I don't know how effective he'll be on the ice, but I, I consider that at least a small victory because we hear it over and over and over how many players hate being in Buffalo and hate playing for Buffalo. So that's always a good thing when someone waves, and at least in my book anyway, someone will wave their no trade to come here. I'm sure it's because you would get a better opportunity here than a lot of other organizations. But anyway, what are your thoughts on this move and him as a player right now in 2020? Because we also need to realize that this is 2020 Simmons Buffalo mm-hmm. traded for, not 2016 Simmons. Like, where do you see him fitting in over these last 20 games? Who could you potentially see him skating with? We'll probably start to find that out. In fact, people are listening to this on Tuesday. He'll be covering practice on Tuesday. But what's your initial thoughts on him? Well, I, 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 I've been a, I've been a huge Simmons fan for forever, going back to his time in LA. So just very selfishly, I love it. Uh, I, I, I've been a big fan of his, uh, for, for a while. I thought he was just a, a dynamite guy in Philly. I mean, he was the perfect guy to add in Philly, uh, for what he does with the physical play and the way, you know, he stands up for teammates. He does checks a lot of those boxes. that I think a lot of fans wanted to see more guys on the team <laughs> check those boxes. Um, but I mean, he's, he's the exact sort of guy that you want to have. If you if you are thinking you you need a little little extra juice to uh to to, to make a run at a at a postseason spot, um, you know he's a tremendous character guy, um, you know great in the room 
all the stuff that, you know, people will point out and say, you know, if he, if he doesn't score any goals in the last 20 games, they'll be like, well, at least he's good in the room. Ugh, that was so good that did. But, right. um, but I mean, he's the exact kind of guy that you want to have around if you're, if you're going to be trying to make this sort of heroic, turn this into a heroic tale. Uh, because he can help that he can help that along. I mean, you know, he's he's been through those battles in Philly. You know, he knows he he has a good idea of what it you know what it takes to 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 be on some successful teams. And you know, he's got that leadership stuff to him that you know it can't be quantified through numbers. But um, but I mean, he he's he's a pretty good power play player. Uh, he's all right defensively. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna really hurt you there. Um, he does play physical. He drives and he does a lot of the net driving stuff that a lot of the guys on the team don't do. So, I mean, I, I think there's, I think there's little things there that, that he can help out with, but I mean, you're, you're not getting the 30 goal guy that, that, you know, we saw a few years back. That's, that's not him anymore, but he's, he's a useful player. But I, I mean, if you're, if you're thinking he's going to jump in there and just be an electric superstar, I don't, I, I, I don't see that being the case, but he does do things that, that guys on this team don't do. It would have been nice to be able to get him a couple of weeks earlier, but I also understand at the same token, if that happens, you're probably paying a little more of a price than just a, a fifth rounder, which at that point, like uh, like I said, is almost a flyer on the guy. Now, the other trade, Connor Sherry and Evan Rodriguez go to Pittsburgh for Dominic Cahoon. I don't see what's not to like about this trade if for no other reason than Connor Sherry and, and Rodriguez. I feel like at this point in their Sabres career, what you saw is what you get. I don't think there was going to be anything mm-hmm. drastically that changed with these guys. They are what they are. Whereas maybe with Cahoon, he has a little more potential and we don't know what he can be in this organization. What are your thoughts about him? Now I saw a stat. I, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but he's had like streaks. He's had a couple games. I think he had like three games where he's had three points. I think it was this season. He's a restricted free agent, only 24 years old. Where do you see his fit? Do you see him potentially? I mean, he'll probably get an opportunity right now, but do you see him as a maybe a, a viable long-term potential second-line player? Yeah, no, I, I do see him as being a as a, as a future guy. Um, I think we're going to get a good idea what he's about this year, and, and we'll probably get a better idea going into next season. But I think right now he he he's a perfect swap swap in for for Sherry um, for wherever. Wherever you wanted, wherever if you had Connor Sherry pencil in your lineup till the end of the season, I think you could put Cahoon's name right in there uh, in his place. Uh, it, it makes the most sense. Um, the numbers, you know, his number is both advanced and you know otherwise. I mean, he's he's got more points. I mean, you play with Evgeny Malkin and and you know you play in the Penguins team, you're probably going to get a few more points anyways. But uh, but I mean, he he spent his the first year of his NHL career with Jonathan Taves and Alex DeBrinket in Chicago and Brandon Saad and. And those guys, so I mean, those are those are guys that 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 can finish as well. So I mean, if you, if you're getting plugged in on those lines with with guys like that, you're you're doing something right. Um, so I, I think they look at at him as a guy who's gonna maybe help steady out a a Skinner, or maybe if you put him uh, if you put him down, or if you put him with uh, Johansson and VZ, maybe he's a guy who can help get them going a little bit more. But um, it's uh it's a very it's going to be very interesting to see how Ralph wants to work those those middle two lines just based on on what he's got now and uh, you know his, his lineup choices are going to be very curious to see what happens because I mean at least you had when you had Rodriguez there you kind of had your automatic guy who was going to be scratched just based on you know him saying he wanted to go elsewhere 
that made it a little easier to kind of finagle the lineup. But but now you got a bunch. Yeah, you, know, you got a good handful of guys that either you've acquired or or want to be there or want to use more in the future. So he's going to have some some hard choices to make. But um, but I mean, if there's if there's a thing to be mad about, it's that they didn't find another center. I mean, Cahoon's listed as a center, but. He's played more games than he's taken faceoffs in his in his career, yeah. in his NHL career. So, um, you know, I, it, it's yeah. I mean, I, I think the faceoff thing is just kind of like a whatever problem now. I mean, yes, if faceoffs in certain zones mean a whole hell of a lot, um, and you know, we've we've seen you know Reinhardt's been doing it because Jack's got a you know midsection thing that he's that's keeping him from taking faceoffs, and you know Sam's winning them at thirty five percent, and it's about what it's slightly worse than what Mar- you know Marcus Johansson's doing, and um, but I think you know it, it just as as far as these trades go, I mean, getting more offense is is going to be key, and Cahoon does a little bit more offensively, well at least this season uh, than than Sherry has. I mean, Sherry's got the speed and whatnot, but I think Cahoon could be a really solid player moving ahead and, you know, get him, get him in the lineup here and get him going. I think that he could be, be a very intriguing player. And I know Ralph's going to love him because he, he played, he played his whole upbringing in Germany. So I think, <laughs> I think Ralph getting some more international flavor on this roster is going is, is to tickle him. Yeah, it's a good point. Now you mentioned Zach Bogosian earlier. He signed with Tampa on Sunday. Reportedly there were multiple contenders for his services. Initially, several fans, including idiots like myself, to be honest with you, I, was angry that Bottrell didn't get something for him, but it was quickly explained to me by people who actually know what they're talking about that his contract essentially made him like uh, completely untradeable. Buffalo ended up saving cap money the way things played out. That's good. But I guess my only problem is, and I'll pose this question to you, why did this happen near the end of February and not several weeks before? It was pretty obvious that he was not going to crack this lineup with any type of consistency. He said he wanted out. I can't imagine it took more than maybe 48 hours for Bottrell to call 29 other teams and quickly find out that nobody was going to give up anything at all for him. Why did he stick around, in your opinion, for as long as he did? Why wasn't this move made earlier? I, I think it was a case of, of Bottrell just exhausting every possible means and amount of time that he that he was trying to just find a way to get a deal, find a way to make things work. I, 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 I want to believe that, that waving him and clearing him to go to the AHL was, was a last ditch effort to show teams that like, Hey, yeah, if you make a trade, like you can put them in the minors if you want. It's okay. But um, when he outright refused to go to Rochester, I think that was, I think that was Zach's not so subtle way of telling other teams like, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to go play in the AHL for your team. Like that's, that's not that's not the uh that's not the option I'm looking for here and um you know at that point I think it's I, I I think it was just a game of chicken between the two sides to say all right well who's gonna blink first are you gonna are you gonna wipe out my contract or are you gonna run the risk of me going to Rochester and and just having a free-for-all in the AHL and and you know you know, possibly just, just being a, being a bit of a malcontent down there sure. and, and ma- making things harder. I think, I, I don't think that was an option the, the Sabres were too excited about. And I think they, I think they kind of knew that, that Bogosian was not going to report there. So, you know, it's just a matter of doing everything down the line in the, you know, the most, I don't know, I, I legal is not the right way, but by the book way of trying to handle a situation that you knew, a, you know, a guy, 
didn't want to be there anymore. He made that very clear back in December. Um, you know, he's, he's an extremely proud guy. He believes he's, he's good enough to play. He believes he's so good do other to be teams. in the NHL. Yeah, there are other yeah. teams. I mean, plenty of other teams have shown interest, which is kind of my point. Contract, yeah. contract aside, okay, I get it. The contract made him untradeable, but mm. it feels like the Sabres didn't think he was good enough to be on the ice because, I mean, they often had eight defensemen, or even when there were seven, he would still be in the odd guy out. Why wasn't yeah. he good enough to be on the ice here? But yet teams like Tampa and reportedly Toronto and other teams seem to have a lot of interest in him. Granted, it was at a million or 1.3 million. I think that's what he signed for with Tampa mm-hmm. as opposed to 5 million with the Sabres. But money aside, he was already on the Sabres. They already had that contract, but yet he couldn't get on the ice here. Yeah, the, I, that, 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 that's the other part of it is that, you know, the Sabres didn't have to play him because they had enough guys. And, you know, teams like Toronto and teams like Tampa, lots of injuries. And they were using guys out of the AHL that they didn't really need to, you know, that, that, that weren't ready or, you know, weren't good enough to be there, frankly. Um, so, you know, at least Bogosian gives them an NHL player option to use, you know, cause I know Tampa was using, I'm going to get the wrong Guance here, but I think it was Cameron Guance. They called up out of Syracuse and, you know, he's not, you know, he wasn't a guy they were prepared to, to play in a lot of games there. And, you know, Toronto, you know, Toronto just had, you know, they, they called up both of their AHL defensemen. Uh, we saw Sandin and Liljegren against Buffalo and they had a horrible time dealing with the Sabres here. And, you know, they were, you know, they mixed in Martin Marinson while they were sitting out, sitting down, Lilia Grin, Santa was just trying to sort things out. And, you know, Toronto's got their own issues, but, you know, but at least it was a right, you know, they have a need for a right-handed defenseman. Carolina was another team that was looking around and look at the moves they made today. They went out and got two, two pretty good NHL defensemen, Votnin, who's a right-hander, Brady Shea, I think Brady Shea's a right-hander as well. So, I mean, they went out and, you know, they had to spend a lot of picks to get them. But you know they went out and got their guys that they that they feel are going to help them out. But um, but I but at the cost, I mean five million against the cap. And it was one of the things I broke down. Uh, I think it was back in I think it was January. Time runs together, man. But I think it was in January. I looked down, looked at what the options were to to try to move them. You know, as far as trade costs and and what teams could be interested in. You know, how they can handle that. You know, it just it, it by the, it was one of those things that by the time I got to the end of what I wrote, I said they're probably going to end up terminating the contract because that's the only way I see this working out, and that's really that's I mean that that was the road it had to go down for this to, for there to be a resolution. It's too bad because I mean Zach did a lot of really good stuff community wise, and the guys in the room loved him. But you know, as far as asset management, I mean, the hands were tied. You know, you if nobody's going to give you anything for him you can't just keep them on your roster forever to the end of the deadline and have them hanging around the room and just being pissed off and grumpy about everything. And just, you know, maybe rallying guys to his side and causing some discord or, you know, that, that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I know, I know people are mad about how, how that played out, but I mean, you, you know, when you're talking about a guy making over 5 million against the cap and, you know, two thirds of the league is, is, within 2 million of the cap or over it in long-term and injury injured reserve costs, including the Sabres. I mean, that's, that's really tough because you're not going to send them to New Jersey because New Jersey's not going to want them. Teams that are teams that are way below the cap. Those teams aren't going to want a guy like that. Are you a little bit surprised? You mentioned Carolina traded for two defensemen today. Are you surprised that Buffalo didn't end up moving a defenseman? Now you still got pilot and Rochester winning in the wings. I think it was, I don't want to say expected, but maybe hopeful that the Sabres might move a, 
a Montour or McCabe or maybe a Miller who's playing much better of late, but they mm -hmm. stood bad at defense. Do you think that Bottrell just wanted that way? Or do you think he tried to move somebody and he just felt like he couldn't get a deal that was uh, worth pulling the trigger on? I mean, what's your gut tell you on that? I, I, th I think his ears were open uh, when it came to, you know, maybe one of the right-handers, you know, whether it's Montour or it's Miller or it's Ristolainen, I think his ears were open to that. Um, but those kinds of deals to try to do it on deadline day are so hard to pull off. I mean, you know, look at, look at the deal we were teased with all day with Zach Parise and the Islanders, you know, that, that was being talked about from like about 10 o'clock in the morning on and it, it didn't end up getting pulled off because it was such a difficult thing to get ironed out. And I think if you're going to move a guy like Ristoline or a Montour, or I, I think Colin Miller's a little less tricky to, to maneuver, but, um, but if you're going to move a guy like that, it's such a, it, it's such a convoluted deal. And there's so many layers to, to get it figured out, unless it's something that's been talked about for months leading up to the deadline. That's so hard to pull off in a day to get, to, to get all the ducks in a row and to make it happen. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a stupid thing to hang it on and to hang on and say, well, this is a, this is a summertime deal. <laughs> many, well, how many summertime deals yes, did we have last year right. that we thought were going to happen that didn't happen? Right, and that could happen again this summer. But does that bring like validity to the criticism of Pottrell? Yet yeah, you're 100 percent right. For the by the way, sure, it's very hard to make these type of deals in one day on deadline day. But what about the last several games, days, weeks, or even a month or two leading up to this? The Sabers have had a surplus of defensemen for a long time. Don't you feel like there's validity to that criticism from fans? And quite often, I'm going back and forth with fans fighting with them. Sometimes I feel like they're right. Sometimes I know I'm wrong, but in this case, it's like, I kind of feel like fans are right to be pissed off at Bottrell because they definitely have a surplus of defense. I mean, they have a guy, they clearly need mm -hmm. a, a second line center. Now maybe Rissolini would not have fetched it and would have taken a lot more. And I understand that all those moving pieces might not have fit to get the guy maybe that they wanted, but I still feel mm -hmm. like they should have done something with their defense and they didn't do anything. Yeah. And the, the argument that happens a lot, and I saw it happen with the, the Andre Kasha deal uh, to Boston where, you know, I seemed like a lot of guys that, that Sabres Twitter was really hot for, for the last year or two, all, all got traded within like a few days of each other. And it just, it caused a, a, you know, a bit of a mental breakdown for, for a lot of fans saying like, why the hell aren't the Sabres on these guys? Why aren't they going after them? And the teams that make those deals are the teams that can afford to, to have an, have an oopsies moment. You know, like the Bruins, Bruins give up a pick and a, and a prospect for, for Kasha. And, you know, Kasha's got, a, you know, just this is just picking out an example here. Kasha's got concussion history, and there were valid concerns about um, how he's going to hold up from that, if he's going to be the same player that he kind of showed that he was his first couple of seasons, you know, and how that's going to work going ahead. Well, a team like Boston can, can make a move like that because their farm system continually cranks out guys that make it to the NHL. Their scouts do an unbelievable job. They just always seem to have a steady supply of guys coming up from the minors that just jump into the Bruins system and are immediately just, they work out great for them. And Buffalo doesn't have that sort of situation yet. So if they give up a prospect and they give up a, you know, a first round pick or, you know, a second round pick for uh, a guy like that in a, in a spot where they're not really buyers, but you're kind of planning on the future, if that guy doesn't work out, suddenly you're without that pick and you're without that prospect that you were hoping was going to be a guy for you. And then you've got nothing else to back it up. So, so the guy you, 
the people you traded, you don't lo- you no longer have. And then the guy that you added that you thought was going to be the guy is no longer that guy. And you're just, you're completely screwed. And you've, you've, you've taken a hole and you've accidentally stuck a, stuck a firecracker in it and turned it into a you know, full on sinkhole. Um, Bruins can afford to make mistakes like that. Some of these teams can afford to make, you know, can make mistakes like that. Carolina can make a trade for a Trocheck because, because their minor league system is, is just teaming over with guys. So, you know, they can move a couple of prospects that maybe aren't their top prospects, but, you know, are still valuable players. And, you know, they get rid of a couple of guys that are going to be free agents and that were useful to them, but, you know, they have replacements coming up from, from Charlotte to, to replace them. Um, so, you know, so that deal's not as hard for, for going to get a Trocheck. You know, it's things like that where teams that have this that have the surplus can can afford to make those deals. And you know, the Sabers don't have that surplus yet. I mean, you have, you know, it's the old Ted Nolan thing where you know sometimes prospects are suspects. And you know, I think you're still trying to figure out if some of your prospects are indeed suspects. And you know, a lot of those guys aren't playing on this side, this side of the Atlantic Ocean, so you don't really know how good they are yet until you get them over here. You know, that's. It's all part of the, it's all part of the, the the whole thing that makes this a very confusing team to try to figure out what you know what you got going on because you know the guys you see in Rochester a lot of the guys that are doing well aren't really prospect types they're you know they're 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 sort of veterany and um, you know I, this it's a, it's the kind of thing that it's frustrating to see from the outside but uh, the, you know the the idea the the ideal thing that's going to happen is that you know these guys do get over here and then they become solid prospects and they become solid NHL players. And then suddenly you're, you're looking at your farm system and going, Oh, we can finally trade some of these guys to get veteran help because now we're a good, we're a fully good franchise and we've got a lot of good things going here, but it, it, it's, it's how problems over the years just compound each other. You know, when you don't draft well, when you don't, when you don't handle your, your, your draft picks correctly, if you, you know, if you're dealing too many, too many picks and not, you know, acquiring enough assets in other deals and that, you know, it all just kind of piles up on each other. And that that's where you kind of get now. And, you know, honestly, they're, they're in a spot right now where, you know, you, you're kind of wondering about Casey Middlestad. I mean, people are going to be wondering about Dylan cousins till he finally shows up because, you know, it's the same sort of thing. It's like, Oh, we took him seventh. Oh, okay. That's around the same spot. We took Middlestad. Oh, we took Nylander eighth. Like, oh, okay. You know, they did well to move Nylander out to get a top four defenseman. That's awesome. But I mean, you know, Casey Middlestad, I think, you know, I think maybe a few more teams maybe had an inkling on him. He was supposed to be a top five guy and he fell into the Sabres lap at eight and people were just like, wow, how did that happen? It's like, well, maybe we have an idea why that happened now, but you don't know. I mean, he gets in the gym over the summer and puts 20 pounds of muscle on and starts, you know, bench pressing cars okay, well, maybe you got a number two, maybe you got a number two center. That's got some of the sickest hands you've ever seen. But I mean, you know, these things take time guys at 18 aren't always automatic. And sometimes it takes till they're 21 or 22. And that's just not the way the league works anymore. Well, you just answered my Casey Middlestad question for me. So I don't need to ask you that <laughs> Dylan cousins. He's a guy that always comes to mind, obviously, because he was a first round pick as a rookie last year. And in part, because like you said, with Casey Middlestad, it's a process. For him, it might take another year or two before he gets to hopefully even close to what we want him to be, or that, frankly, it might never happen. I mean, that's always a possibility as well. With Dylan Cousins, are you thinking next season he could be up with this club for good, or are we probably looking two years from now 
before because I'm trying to look inside for answers right now. Now they got a ton of RFAs. They got a ton of UFAs. Some will come back. Some won't. They'll do. They might make a trade. There might be some activity going on in the summer, but I feel like in-house and you look at the prospect, well, obviously Dan Cousins fired away is their best prospect. How close do you think he really is? I mean, is it too early to tell? Or do you think he'll be around next year or two years? <laughs> it always felt like these things were like slam dunk answers to make, but I think we're, I think we've gotten a little bit uh, gun shy on on taking a hard step out and saying like, yes, this guy will be here next year. Right. I want to believe Dylan Cousins is going to be here next year, but I think just for safety purposes, for deployment purposes, for making sure you don't screw it up purposes, uh, go and find your number two center who's going to play number two and let Dylan Cousins be your number three. You know, so you can sh- you can shelter him more. Sure. You can protect him a little bit more. You know, this was something that they didn't, they didn't get to do with Middlestad. I was going to ask you that. Was that part of the problem maybe with Middlestad is that they tried to make him into something he wasn't ready to be? I know they initially yeah. they eased him in, but it felt like more and more he was getting, you know, playing on that second line. And it, for the most part, that was just a disaster. Yeah. I mean, think about how, how it went down. You know, they trade O'Reilly. Okay, fine. You know, whatever. Um, but, you know, you have Middlestad and you're saying like, oh, is this guy our number two now? And you're like, well, we got Patrick Bergen in the deal. He's, you know, he plays center. He's a veteran and he can, he can, he can take the heat as a number two center. Well, Phil didn't use him as a number two center. I don't think he used him as a number two center once. I think he was his number. He's the fourth line guy from, from the get go. And, you know, and the whole Berglund thing was, was screwed up from the get go, you know, because his agent, agent screwed up the, the, the paperwork and he didn't want to, he didn't want to leave St. Louis. And, you know, everything about that was just like a, Holy shit! I can't believe that got screwed up. You know, and it's not even not even really Buffalo's fault. You know, that's just. I mean, it's it, it is, and it's not because he probably shouldn't have been made available to the Sabers in the first place. But at the same time, you know, go get a different prospect. Go, you know, go get Robert Thomas instead of Chase Thompson. You know, just figure out another way to do the deal. Whatever. I mean, that bet is made. It's been it's been thrown out the window. They've set the mattress on fire already. It's it's done. But the the at the after effect of that though is that it screwed up Middlestat because he was playing too hard a diff, too hard a minutes too difficult competition you know for for a guy who was basically two years out of high school and you know you you, you know he, he had an okay season at Minnesota he probably should have stayed with the Gophers for another year um, but you know you know th- those decisions are already made and you know they had to have viewed it. They, they were kind of stuck last year because, you know, they didn't have anybody else they could really throw into that role. You know, you, you tell Kevin Porter in Rochester, like, Hey bud, we need you to come up and be our number two center. We know you've never, you know, you haven't been a number two center in the NHL since you, know, you came out of Michigan, but I mean, you know, and probably never was in the NHL. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing where one, you know, one mistake compounds and creates like four other ones. And I, I think it's, a, it's a learning, it's a lesson learned for 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 this staff because uh, i don't i don't think they're 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 not going to hurry dylan cousins up even though i think he's probably he's probably in a better position to succeed than middle stat was but he's still you know i mean he's a strong kid but he's you know he's still slight looking you know he's he's skinny i mean he's he's a big he's a big kid he's six two he's six three um he certainly seems to have the, the hockey smarts to him um, you know, whether he, you know, whether he is the center or, you know, at some point down the road, he becomes a winger. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but, um, 
But I mean, you want them to be a center. You want them to do that. But I think you got to be really, you got to be really freaking careful with how you do it. Because if you just throw them in and say, all right, kid, you're number two uh, behind Jack, go get him. I mean, I yeah, mean, you, you throw him out there it, with you, Jeff Skinner. You, exactly. You throw him right out there you know? with Jeff Skinner right away. As a, that might be a little bit uh, too much to ask it. It might kind of back. Right. So, I mean, I, I think you just got to, I think that's the case where Bob just got to do a little cover your own ass and, you know, if you if you make a if you trade one of your defensemen, make sure you get a you, you get a center out of it that can that can be a number two, but won't mind being a number three if Dylan Cousins is that good, you know, or if Casey Middlestat takes the role. I think you just need to have that insurance. I mean, you can say you're, you know you're going to keep Johan Larson around and be your number four center. That's fine. That's great. That's what he's good at. And if you got too many centers, okay, fine. Let call one of them to play wing, and then suddenly you got an overload of guys, and it's okay. It's it's okay. It's fine. You, you can have more centers. Ralph even said he wants six centers in his lineup. So fine, make it work that way. Let me ask you this as we wind down here. We've spent a lot of time tonight talking about Jason Bottrill. I feel like fans for sure, maybe some media, maybe not, probably a little, have been calling for his head recently mm-hmm. until the team, but now the team's playing well again. Do you feel that his job going into this off season is now safe or do you feel like like you said he's already made his moves there's not really much he could do now until the summer do you feel like the fate of his tenure as general manager is going to be tied into how this team plays over the last 20 games or do you feel like there's enough potential here and maybe Bagula wants to keep that continuity thing that he's going to be back regardless unless maybe they go like 2 and 18 Something like that, stupid, over the last 20. Are you pretty confident he's going to be back, or is it the jury still off for you? Uh, as of right now, I'd say I, I would, if I had a bet to hedge, I would hedge that he'll, he'll, that he'll be back and, and that that he'll, that he'll things will be safe. Um, I mean, we've seen this team crater unbelievably hard in, 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 in recent years when it comes to this final stretch, but um, you know, but like you said, unless they go two and eighteen in the last twenty, I, I think he's pretty safe. I, I think this, I think it's set up so that he'll be okay. Fans are going crazy about the, uh, you know, the the overage, you know, the cap overage stuff. Which I'll be honest, I have a very minimal grasp of it, even after reading a hundred things about a hundred yeah, things me about too. it. Right. Um, but I mean, they they they've had to spend so much money on long term injured relief. Uh, this year that, you know, Yoki Haru and Darlene get their bonuses. They're, they're, they're going to be over. It's just a question of how much people, people are thinking they're going to get hit with like a, you know, a multi-million cap, you know, multi-million dollar cap hit penalty, which it's not going to be the case. It's going to be a little bit, but, um, but I mean, the money, you know, the money they save, you know, <laughs> from Berglund leaving last year, I mean, that saved them a ton of money already. Um, they've got a ton of UFAs that are, you know, that are either, sticking around and he's sticking around for minimal raises or just going completely. I'm not too worried about, you know, if, if they get hit with like a, you know, $500,000 penalty for the season. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's almost the cost of another player, but I mean, listen, if you're, if you're building a roster of 500 grand, keeping you from, from making a playoff team. And I don't know. I, I think that's more damning. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a little bit more damning on, on the GM. If he can't make yeah. it, if he can't get around that and make it work. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, uh, unless, unless they just, uh, they absolutely crater, uh, I, I feel pretty confident he's going to be back. I don't, I, I don't think that the goals are, are in a big hurry to move him out. They, they want some patience. They want 
some stability out of all this. I mean, they're, they're pretty sick of just changing coaches every two years. I, I have to believe they're, they got to feel the same way about GMs at the NHL level. I mean, it's crazy where, you know, we, the things have gone the way it has, but I mean, weird things happen. I mean, if things get really bad at the end, the, the fans are going to force them to make a move. I mean, they, they're, they were pretty aware that the fans are, are pissed. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I mean, it, all it takes is like another three game losing streak for the fans to just call for heads again. And yeah. That's, that's kind of the way, that's kind of the way it is right now. But I mean, they're in a, they're in a spot where they, they can't afford many more losses. They, they know they got they, they, all the points count and they can't really even tough games, games coming up too. overtimes, you know, yeah, and tough games. This, this, this trip is probably, I mean, we could probably say it about future trips too, but this trip, this upcoming trip is probably going to decide a lot about whether or not this, this whole, you know, impossible dream idea holds up or not. What did you think of his presser on Monday after the deadline? You were there. Was there anything that, stood out to you now for me i don't want to say it stood out to me but at least i found it notable mm-hmm. it was a very typical botrel kind of vanilla bland comments which is not that's not really a criticism that's just mm-hmm. the way it is with him but he did say when he mentioned rasmus russellanin specifically as one of four players he mentioned by name that would benefit greatly he kept talking about simmons and the sabers playing meaningful games in march and he it was Ristolainen, it was Eichel, it was Dalene, and it was Reinhardt. That's mm-hmm. four guys. And Ristolainen was one of the ones he said specifically. For me, that sounds like if he's saying his name out specifically, that maybe he's one of these core nucleus of players on this team. It makes you wonder if they've really actively been shopping them or not. That maybe this guy, despite all the rumors, despite all the fans, despite the sports talks, like the podcast, sport the the columns, that maybe. This is a guy that he does want for the long term. What, what did you think about that? And was there anything about his presser that kind of stood out to you? I, I think mentioning Ristolainen is is interesting to me because I think it's not a call out, but I think it's a way of telling Ristolainen that, like, hey, hey, bud, you've been here the you've been here a long time. You've been wanting you've been wanting to play in some games that 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 mean something and you know, everybody, you know, a lot of the talk, the last, the last, you know, few months, you know, in this, you know, talking about whether or not he's going to get moved or whatnot was, boy, if you get that guy in a, in a playoff game, he's the, he's the kind of guy that everybody's going to be like, Oh man, that guy's one mean son of a bitch. Right. And he's made, he's built for these kinds of games. And I think that was, I think that's Jason's way of saying, all right, man, these next 20 games, these are your playoff games. Show, show everybody what you mean. Cause I mean, these games are, these games are going to be officiated a little bit more like playoff games. And, you know, is it going to be not as many penalties, not as many whistles. It's going to be a little rougher around the edges. So lean into that feed off of that. Show us what you mean and don't, you know, don't, don't back down. Don't, don't get soft on us. Don't, don't do any of that. And I think that goes for all those guys, but I think for risk the line and it means, you know, show us what you got, kid. Let's, you know, you've been waiting, you've been waiting a long time for, for some of the stuff to, to be, to be worth your while. There's so many February and March games that they've played that just didn't mean anything as, you know, for, for anything. And now it's, now it's time for that. So I think that's, that, I think that's, that's Jason's way of saying like, all right, you know, maybe we're going to see the best of them, which, you know, is either good, good for the Sabres and that they get to keep them and they're going to keep them. And, and you've got a guy that's going to be that way for good or, 
it's a way to market them for the summer and you can show people like, see, he can be good for you. Give us, give us what we want. You know, what we've been asking for, for so long. So I, I, I think it's open-ended from that respect, but the, I, the thing that grabbed my attention the most was, was Bottrell saying he didn't want to break up this group. And, you know, a lot of that was in reference to, uh, you know, he kind of tossed it in when mentioning the, 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 the cap overage stuff, but, you know, he said, we could have made a lot of moves to try to make that a lot easier, but we didn't want to break this group. Yeah. Up. And that to me, that to me says that, uh, this, you know, keeping it mostly together was, was a reward to them for, for working together, working hard and doing a lot of, a lot of the off ice stuff that we, that, that I think that they've been stressing to them about, you know, keeping it to get, you know, keeping it together. A lot of like the, the sort of intangible stuff that they want out of these guys and they want, you know, that, that, that they've been working towards all season, you know, it's all, you know, getting the locker room, right. Playing together as a team, buying into the system, all this stuff that, you know, we've been talking about for years that they've needed to do. And maybe now they're finally doing it. This, this, I mean, it could all get blown out of the water if they lose, you know, eight to nothing to Colorado <laughs> on Wednesday yeah. night. And, you know, then it just, it all goes to hell. And, um, but it, it does seem different. And I, you know, I'm guilty of getting faked out after seeing these guys after a win, but it does seem a little different. It does seem like these guys are starting to get it. And, you know, they, you know, I know six points is a lot to make up in the NHL because, you know, they hand up points like candy, but for them to be this close this late in the season is different. And I think that, I think the guys respond to that. It, it, it's what happens when the bar is, is set so low for improvements. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's it, it's one of these things where you can you can kind of rally around that. And you know, Toronto. I mean, Toronto was supposed to be one of those teams that was supposed to run away with a playoff spot in this division, and instead, it's you got two teams running away with it, and everybody else is kind of getting the football pulled away from them. So, I mean, you know, it, it's the sort of thing where it, it's not quite backing into it, but. Eh, kind of that way and they're they're kind of getting thrown into a playoff race that they probably shouldn't be in but here they are i mean the the the, the fractions are against them you know the, the the odds are very much stacked against them but they're still they're still in the discussion but it's it's weird montreal's got the same number of points they do and montreal basically just said yeah that's it we're giving it up we're we're trading we're trading these guys out we don't need to hang on to them we're you know yeah we we, we got we got to live with the the bed we made with carrie price and shea weber and and see what we're going to do. And, you know, instead the you know, Sabres are in a different spot because they got so many young guys and they've kind of burned away a lot of their good years early on and they can't afford to do it anymore. So, you know, why not, why not give them a little bit of a, a little bit of a cookie and say, all right, boys, go get it. Well, I really think that you hit the nail on the head when you said regarding the trade deadline is kind of almost confusing. This team's confusing. They're, they're not bad enough to, contend for being one of the worst teams in the NHL and they're not good enough to really legitimately contend for a Stanley Cup. They're a fringe team. But I guess as a reporter, you have, hopefully anyway, have uh, some meaningful, like Bottrell said over and over, some meaningful March games to look forward to covering. I'm sure as a reporter, that's all you could really ask for at this point. You want to cover <laughs> games that mean something is basically how we should end this. I'm pretty, I'm assuming that that's a pretty accurate statement, right? Yeah, I, my first season here was 2013-2014, and somehow that season had fewer points than tank season. Um, so uh, I, I a lot of bad hockey, my friend. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. I mean, it's still kind of bad. It's less bad hockey now, 
but it would be nice to get some games where it's just like, boy, they win this. They could be within blank, you know, blank single digit number of points. And, you know, maybe, maybe you got to start discussing tiebreakers or some other nonsense like that. But to me, this upcoming road trip is, is reeks of terrible irony because I, I think back to, the bye, you know, when they came out of the bye week and they had Arizona and Colorado as their first two games out of the bye week, and they were two points back of the wild card, and it was just like, oh man, or they they could have got within two points of the wild card if they just be Arizona and Colorado. Colorado had was horrible that year. Arizona was horrible that year, and they got their teeth kicked in back to back games against the two of the worst teams in the league, and then the whole season went to hell after after that because it was just like, oh well, we just blew it. Well, who cares? <laughs> you know, who gives? Who well, gives a crap now? Well, I mean, like it, it, yeah. they can they can turn that history around a little bit by by taking care of business with you know those. Two. Arizona's a lot better. Colorado's awesome, and they got Vegas, so it's not an easy road trip. But if they can pull a couple of wins there, it's pretty encouraging. Well, I'm going to tell you what, man. I don't buy into the mainstream media bullshit. I'm just going to say it. Everyone always says, I don't care if they win or lose. It's my job to cover the team. That is true. It is your job to cover the team. You could cover the team very objectively, very fairly, very unbiased, and still hope that they at the very least play well enough that you're in a playoff hunt so that you have meaningful games to cover. Either that or be so horrifically bad that you're contending for the worst record. Nobody wants, and I don't want to say nobody wants it because it's still a job that you love doing, but it's a lot more fun Mm -hmm. to cover a team that's in a playoff hunt than it is a team that's consistently and habitually you know, 15 to 20 points out of a playoff spot. That's just not, it's not as fun. I should say it's still fun for you as a profession, but as a, the hockey fan, your inner fan, I don't want to hear that from you, Mike Harrington, John Vogel, anyone in this world, bullshit. You want the scene to be at least good enough so that you have meaningful games to cover because that's more fun. I, I, it would be nice to see a party in the plaza. That's not a, uh, yes. that's not just like the fan appreciation day, like concert. Yes. Or the opening, you know, the season opening, you know, red carpet thing. It'd be nice to, you know, to, that it would be really cool for me to have to park up, a, you know, like basically like ride a bike from my apartment down, down to the arena because <laughs> getting anywhere close with my car will be not, it would be a virtual non-starter. That would, that would be a nice problem to have. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All right, Joe. Thanks as always for coming on the podcast. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Yerdon. Of course, subscribe to The Athletic. I love the athletic, man. You guys do great work. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate you. We're actually, it's not even Monday night. Now we're into Tuesday morning. I know it's been a very long day and night for you now. So I really do. I appreciate your time, buddy. Always. Hey, no problem, Patrick. Anytime, man. All right, everyone. That is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again, Joe Yurden from The Athletic. One of my favorite guests, all-around good guy. Loved having Joe on the podcast. So thank you very much, Joe. Thanks as well to our show supporters, Audimute, 26 shirts, and of course, Sounds Assured. So before I get up out of here, I want to ask that if you have not yet done so already, please go ahead, subscribe to this podcast, subscribe, rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really really helps me continue to grow this podcast. You can subscribe, listen on Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, pretty much everywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. Also, go hit up the Moranalytics Podcast YouTube channel. 
I got podcast highlight clips from current and past shows up there. Some original audio content as well. Stuff that's exclusive to that channel, by the way. Not going to hear it anywhere else, including this podcast. Then last but not least, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. I'm constantly tweeting out podcast updates, upcoming guests, polls, prize pack giveaways from time to time, thoughts, banning with other sports fans. I mean, that's where I'm parked. I'm always on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. Thanks again so much for listening. I say it all the time, and I really, truly mean it. I appreciate each and every single person out there, whether you love the podcast or whether you hate it, you're taking time from your day to give me a listen when there's like a gazillion other podcasts out there. Can't tell you how much that means to me. Very humble, very grateful. So thank you very much. Have a good one, and I'll be back. New episode real soon. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.